Welcome to the eighth episode of the current review with uh, Thompson Latou, uh, the TT Hookup Central News Live. Uh, we are supported by our brothers uh, from uh, the Free State uh, Publishers and Editors Forum, as well as the Free State Insider, as well as our brother Tebuho Kozi from the uh, Unset Podcast. Uh, They'll be joining us later, though, in the, in the on the show. Uh, right now, today, I am uh, I have the pleasure and the honor of being joined by the MEC for Treasury, uh, Mayor Khadija Brown. Uh, how are you, uh, MEC? Ah, Manati, I'm wonderful. Thank you, Pila Juang, TT, Cup, the all right i'm very well for the you know for the you know for the for your time and uh, the opportunity to engage with you uh, about these very important issues that are taking place in our country and importantly in our province uh, you know, from from the last audit outcomes reports, you, you need to get uh, you know the ball rolling in uh, keeping up the, the you know the, the the improvement in our province. Uh, so I'll I'll get I'll get to it, uh, MEC. Um, uh, you know, the during the first state executive council presentation of the 2022-23 uh, audit outcomes, the auditor general, Ms. Zakani Maruleke, highlighted the provinces progress in achieving the clean audit options. As the leader of the provincial treasury, uh, can you explain the role the department plays in assisting departments and municipalities uh, you know, to achieve this kind, this kind of opinions or improving their, you know, their audit opinions? All right, now wonderful. I just, uh, before I go into your question, I just want to add that since 2019, the, the administration started, we had eight, improvements 2019 20 21 22 23 so let me take the opportunity to congratulate all those departments and entities in the improvements and i want to say to them that if we continue with our control measures the systems that we put in place we will have a stable and um, structured way in which we can continue with those clean audits in our provincial departments with municipalities, it's still becoming a challenge or it is a challenge, but we have got audit action plans. We've got some clean audit uh, drive and campaign that we want on the similar systems and steps that we want to put in place to assist municipalities in also achieving such a wonderful status of clean audits. We've received a clean audit from the legislature, fleet and provincial treasury. Provincial mm -hmm. treasury and fleet retained. Legislature is new. We lost our clean audit in Cocta, but we are sure to have it back next year. Yeah, now, I, was, on the question, I, was just about, I was just about to ask you about that also, but uh, on my question, continue. Yes, <laughs> yes. on your question, Titi. Um, so the we've got something called a uh, Program 4 in Provincial Treasury that really works towards uh, and falls under the Provincial Accountant General. And what we do in that unit or that component is that on a monthly basis, we have 
um, all departments reporting on financial statements. So we have a monthly financial statement that is drawn up just to ensure that the efficacy of our financial statement is in line with what is required. That's the first thing. The second thing is that we have in-ear monitoring and key control matrix that talks to the compliance and it also talks to the nuts and bolts, the I's that you dot and the T's that you cross. It talks to that and it provides that type of support across all executive authorities and accounting offices. We also have a quarterly supply chain management session as well as a finance session and a CFO session that really helps um, the province and all departments, together with municipalities, because we do it with municipalities as well, to explain to municipalities and departments any changes in accounting standards, any changes in legislation, in the Act, or any compliance matters that have been reviewed. We also have a risk and, and audit teams, internal risk, internal audit, across all departments that have to provide a proactive review of any challenges that they may find in the departments. And then we also have a shared audit outside committee that reviews and analyzes whatever it is that those internal audit teams together with the departments provide. We also have what we call a medium-term expenditure uh, framework session and a PM tech session and a budget session and a, an expenditure session and a revenue session. So we've put up all of these little uh, task teams to be able to assist us in managing how we spend, but also analyzing if the expenditure is in alignment with what the annual performance plan was and the goals of various departments. And we have found that we've been able to assist departments with control measures. So where there are compliance and control measures required, we do that on various occasions to ensure that control measures are in place in order to create that structured system to um, have ongoing repeated clean audits. But lastly, as I want to conclude on your question, is that it takes every effort, it takes every department, it takes um, a team of individuals and we see that the performance management, the accountability, the culture is changing because now we have accounting officers and we have individuals within departments who are raising issues of substandard irregularities in areas that need additional work. So we are very comfortable and we would like to still urge departments to do more, to continue to put the pressure, to continue to do more in ensuring that we're compliant as a government. But what, what, what makes it so difficult for these other departments to, you know, to be able to comply when they have gotten uh, so much assistance from your department, uh, you know, in, in, in order to be able to help them to, to comply? For example, municipalities, like the, the progress there is almost zero. And, uh, yeah. and, and the department has been giving assistance to these uh, entities, uh, municipalities and, and departments for a long time. Why is it that yes. there is no progress there? I'm, I'm going to separate the the question to provincial government and local government okay. because uh, let's start let's start with the local government sphere. Let's start with municipalities because that's where the interest is. For mm. us, the turnover in local government is very high. That's the first thing. So the second aspect is capacity. Often when we bring in new people into local government, uh, we find that the experience within local government is vastly different to what we require in the 
crowding sector or in counting find mechanisms to deal with the training and the development of finance individuals that go to school or a local government and understand what a fiscal requirement or fiscal uh, uh, management is from an accounting perspective. It's very, very vastly different to, to the private sector, which is largely taught as a CA and others. Accounting principles may remain the same, but the manner in which we interpret the law and standards may be a little bit different. So there are two things um, on the on the local government sphere. Largely, it's capacity. Secondly, it's the will. Thirdly, when you have um, multi-party, for us to be able to plan and implement on the basis of an IDP or a planning statement, but it still does not give any resolution to the lack of consequence management, financial statements, and the lack of not having portfolio of evidence, the lack of not going through supply chain uh, reforms or supply chain prescripts in order to do the necessary work that we have to do as a government in local government. So we're really just assisting with the training and retraining. Uh, Free State Provincial Treasury embarked with National Treasury and CETA on a training program for SEM managers across all municipalities. And we have now redeployed all those individuals back into municipalities. We hope that over the next six to 12 months, we will be able to rece receive the return on our investment in that training process. But there's a lot of work to do just to get compliance and the capacity and the capability, the political will, and the less interference from multi-party councils to ensure that we are dealing with the work that we have to deal with in our municipalities. I suppose also what, what can impact this is uh, sometimes in some municipalities you've got uh, no senior no senior management uh, leadership uh, for extended periods of time. You know, uh, for example, the, such such municipality as Mwate, local municipality, you you've had a situation where there is no municipal manager for over a year there. What yes, what, that, what 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 role uh, does that kind of uh, situation play in deteriorating opinion, uh, you know, audit outcomes? Absolutely, critical positions and functional positions are largely critical to the success of any municipality organisation. Uh, the premier. Uh, Honorable Ntolisi Dukwana and the MEC of Cocta has, Ndati uh, Toto Makumi, has provided a guide to say that over a six, six month period is the longest period in which we, we could effectively have such critical vacancies within any municipality. So I believe that um, there is deadlines, there are guidelines, there is a directive from the leadership at provincial government to ensure that we have the relevant individuals um, placed in those positions and those critical positions, you are absolutely right, is important. But I also want to just, as I said that earlier, I want to congratulate municipalities. We have um, achieved a, a different position this year where we were able to submit financial statements in time with the exception of two municipalities. So I want to congratulate all those municipalities who were able to submit in time and we want to encourage that the quality are, of... Are you, are you able to tell us which which municipalities were not able to submit in time? Um, I I believe it's Mafube and I'll just verify the last one, but Mafube was yeah. one of them. 
Um, yeah. I can verify the last one and submit it to you, TT. Uh, but the rest of those municipalities have submitted in time. Very well. And uh, in a situation such as that, MEC, like we've often seen that the, the Department of COCTA would be the one that, that sends officials sometimes to act uh, in positions of senior management, such as the CFO, as well as uh, the municipal manager. Would it not help you know, to improve uh, you know, performance uh, to have somebody forwarded or seconded from, from Treasury itself uh, to go in, a, in such a position as that of the CFO, for example? Well, if there are interventions, both Treasury and uh, COCTA get involved. So if there is a 154 intervention or any other formal type of intervention like 139, um, we we get uh, the the COCTA and Treasury does a joint submission and, and we ensure that uh, we have officials. So basic uh, the basic service delivery aspects come from COCTA and then the financial aspects come from Treasury. But where there is um, acting positions and if there's a temporary requirement, it goes through COCTA and then COCTA usually does um, uh, lays with us as Treasuries. And we sort of have some sort of an agreement depending on the capacity and the available uh, resources within the various departments to be able to do so. But you're right. I think that, um, you know, uh, we also look at CVs and it doesn't matter which department they come from as long as they have the relevant experience and the qualifications to be able to do that. We we deploy the necessary individual and the professional and the um, experience level to go and support those municipalities. Mm. And, and despite these this, uh, positive developments, the Auditor General has also expressed concern uh, about the dire situation in Mangawum uh, and, and the other municipalities that we've spoken about already. But what specific steps is the Treasury taking to, you know, to actually target those municipalities for assistance? All right. So we've, we, we've, we've got specific plans. So we've got eight municipalities that um, are on our radar as a provincial government and as a national government. And those eight specific municipalities are largely the municipalities that require that additional support. Mangaun is the only metro in our province. Um, it has gone through a very tough and tumultuous process uh, process over the past two to three years. I think also the council has been finalized and settled. So I think we have got some sort of stability in the political um, aspect of, of uh, Mangaun Metro. We are in the process now of um, the city manager has been appointed. Congratulations also to the mayor and speaker and to the city manager. But we've also at a point where we have to appoint HODs in various uh, units or divisions of of Mangaun. So the importance is, and exactly to touch the point that you made earlier, without leadership and without um, these critical vacancies being filled, you would find non-stability in an organization. And that is exactly what we are seeing with Mangaun. Although the AHGSA has given us a report to say that they're seeing this improvement, they're seeing that there is some positive aspects that they have identified in their visit with Mangaun recently. Uh, but yes, there is still work to be done. We've got to stabilize the workers in Mangaun. We've got to stabilize the financial health. We've got to um, speed up the 
furniture in Mangaun, the, there's a lot of service delivery requirements. So the grants and conditional grants that we are receiving, we've got to work on committees that can help Mangaun specifically spend on the areas of dire need, the basic service delivery and other areas. So as soon as we have those HODs, uh, put together, we will have a session with Mangaun, both cocktail treasury. We will provide um, some guidance in terms of compliance, reporting, management of the organization. But we also want to give Mangaun an opportunity to be able to lead and to be able to do what it is that they need to do and turn that municipality completely around. Mangaun has got a very big revenue base. I believe as a metro, it has got the potential to do so much and it's just to unleash that and to be able to drive it the way we would look at some business in performing certain targets and um, uh, apply our minds in towards uh, creating an economic base for the province through Mangaon. Is, is it an impossibility really to ask, like, you know, to get a, a clean audit from a municipality if you're trying to balance the, you know, the, the need for service delivery as well as, you know, a clean audit uh, or, or clean books or properly kept books? Is, is, oh, is it really... It's not impossible. We've had clean audits in municipalities in the past. We've had clean audits in districts in the past. It is not impossible. And, it and just we, have needs... had, we, we have not had for six years any clean audit yes. uh, in any municipality. That is, uh, that is... Do you do you do you foresee a situation where this can change maybe in the next two three years? Yes, indeed. In fact, the district municipalities could all, there's no reason why district municipalities shouldn't be having clean audits. That's number one. And secondly, I do believe that they are low-hanging. Amachabeng could possibly have a clean audit. Um, we could look at Mangaun over the next two to three years. So those are the largely the two municipalities that could that could drive a very big revenue base so that we could have funded budgets, that we could see the financial health in improving and increasing. And with management and controls and the support from every political party in those councils, we could absolutely achieve a clean audit in, in alignment with the boards and the disciplinary boards, as well as the impacts that would really be able to focus on some of those controls and compliance aspects that we need to look at. Yes, definitely. Looking at this report and the and the previous one, you see that there's an increase of about almost two billion uh, in a fruitless and wasteful expenditure. Uh, now I want you to, to 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 give us the difference. You know, is irregular expenditure necessarily wasteful and fruitless expenditure, or is there is there a, an important difference in in, your, in 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 those two concepts? All right. Is is this for the PFMA or is it for the MFMA? It's for the it's for the it's for the for the for the for the province. Okay, so we've we've reduced our regular expenditure. It was two billion. We're just under one billion now. Oh. So we've reduced the regular expenditure. Well, the nine billion is now the 11, 11 and nine billion is for the municipalities. Yes. So, so on the provincial side, yeah. we, although we've reduced the regular expenditure, my focus is on dealing with the, the regular expenditure at an accumulative level, meaning that over the years, we've got to be focused on condonement processes, understanding and assessing the losses, understanding what portion of the, the regular expenditure, fruitless and wasteful, could be recovered, 
and so on and so forth. So the in terms of um, the act, there is a process, 21 steps that one has to take in order to look at that irregular expenditure and review it. First and foremost, it could be a classification issue. Secondly, it could be a procurement issue, whatever it may be. Once it's properly investigated, there's 21 steps in which we investigate and there are different formats and steps in the investigation. If it is, for example, infrastructure related, it has got to do with contract management. It's got to do with the bills of quantities. It's got to do with the variation orders or the increasing of scope or whatever it may be, uh, the designs and the quality of the buildings and so on and so forth. If it's just a supply chain issue where you're buying and selling or somebody that has not turned up to stay in a guest house as an example where they've actually paid for a guest house. Those are areas of negligence. Those are areas of cost recovery. Those are areas where we have to physically investigate all of those aspects, uh, deal with the write-offs, recover the losses, deal with consequence management, hold people accountable where negligence has happened or where fraud and malfeasance has happened, open the necessary cases. So I think that is the work that our provincial government has to do <laughs> to deal with the current um, irregular fruitless and wasteful expenditure. On the municipalities, we definitely have got a lot of work to do. And again, it comes through with compliance, capability, capacity management on dealing with those projects, um, the, the, the system in which we uh, are able to procure uh, with managing how our relationship is with the Act and what it is that we are dealing at a municipal level with that Act. But furthermore, we have to have impacts sitting and managing and and presenting to councils to ensure that councils understand what percentage of that wasteful, fruitless, irregular expenditure is and how do we condone and deal with it as well through those necessary investigations. And that's also some of the work. So we used to, in the past, have a committee uh, as a province to deal with the irregular expenditure, and we would also appoint outside companies to help us support us with the uh, investigations. And I think it is something that we may have to do going forward as well. Uh, we we try to do it in-house, but it is so big, we might have to go out and have the necessary teams come in and support us in that regard. But I think that's that's ultimately the focus and municipalities and, and improving the audit outcomes would be the second key focus for us as provincial, uh, provincial treasury and COCTA going forward. Thank you so much, Titi. And for the for the for the um, improvements recorded so far, uh, I want to say to you congratulations for the work done. Uh, it is it has been recognised. Uh, we we can't always you know uh, dwell on the negatives when when the positives are also there. Looking at us, clearing and say please recognise us. Uh, so Thank well you. done for that. You guys have done very very well. Uh, we hope that uh, the next year results will uh, you know reflect your wishes and the wishes of the free state people. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for your time uh, today and uh, good luck for you know for all the work that you'll be doing going forward. No, thank you, Titi. And uh, just for that said, congratulations to the leadership for the leadership tone that is set, to those departments, the leadership, the executive authorities, the, the uh, accounting officers and all teams. But also I want to say to Central News, congratulations. I see that you are growing from strength to strength and know that you are the arm and you are the extension of the work that we are doing. So whatever it is that you put out there to our communities and to your viewers and to your listeners, 
Um, I am very pleased to see that it is um, factual, it provides the efficacy towards journalism and towards um, ensuring that we provide the proper reporting and the communications to our people and those who are affected the most, which are the people of the free state and our citizens. So thank you, Titi, to you and your management team, to the board and everyone else. It was wonderful to spend some time with you and um, you're welcome to have a cup of coffee in my office and we can have further discussions. Have a thank lovely, you lovely we'll, day. We'll definitely you about that. Thank you. Bye. All right, thank that you. Bye-bye. That was bye -bye. the MSC for Treasury in the Free State, Mehariza Brown. A very enlightening conversation that we've had with her just now on the audit outcomes uh, of uh, the Auditor General. Uh, very, very, very uh, lovely. Uh, moving forward, we'll be back with the second part of the, uh, the current review, the TT hookup. Uh, we'll be back in, uh, in about a minute. Thank you.